process of building leading lives amen today we're going to talk about for a few moments we're going to talk about the typical cost of effective leadership amen look at somebody telling me effective leadership comes at a cost amen there's there's a there's a there's a high price placed upon being the most effective you amen and if we're going to continue to lead effectively, say, if I'm going to lead effectively, I've got to pay the cost. Now, several things I want to set forth. We're going to 1 Peter 12 in just a moment, and we're going to Nehemiah 2 for a couple of scripture I want to open us up with. Um, several things I want to set forth that I hope you'll take note of, pay attention to, and reflect upon in the days to come. First of all, leadership is always directional. Say directional. directional. The essence of leadership is that, say, I, I am, responsible am responsible for the transition, for the transition of, people. of people. Look, somebody tell me, if you're riding with me, you're going from something to something. Amen. Everything about our lives as leaders, 
is attached to God's intention and God's people to bring people into better places, better spaces, and new dimensions. So leadership is always directional. Here's the next thing. Leadership is always to productive ends, which means that leadership means that we serve God's intention for the advancement of the lives of others. We serve God's intention to help people come to a place of activation. Say activation. activation. Anybody notice that through your involvement in the lives of other people, people become activated in their callings, their assignments. Amen. They begin walking in the measures of what God has purpose for them to walk in. Somebody shout, that's leadership. And leadership is always impactful. It's always impactful. It always motivates change. Amen. How many of you notice that when you're leading, people around you are changing, oh my God, are changing as a result of your leadership? Have y'all seen that? People, say people around me are changing because of how God uses me. People are changing. If people aren't changing as a result of your impact in their lives, you're not leading. Oh my God, help me. If, if people leave you leading alone, you're not leading. Oh my God. Because everything about our involvement in the lives of people, God uses up to activate the other people that are around us, people start moving in the direction of their callings and assignment and begin to press into this process of fulfilling purpose. Somebody shout, that's what leadership looks like. <laughs> now, that's why leadership comes with a cost. That's why there are costs, certain costs that are just attached to and assigned to the process and this prospect of, leader, of, of leading. Y'all got that? Certain costs to the leader. Now, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 I believe applies to our discussion today. It says, beloved, if you're there, it says, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. Look at somebody tell them, it is not strange that you are being tried. Come on, anybody, anybody being tried lately? Oh, come on, somebody. Look at somebody tell them, that's completely normal to the process of perfecting your leadership ability. You ain't going through nothing we ain't all going through. So these fiery trials are attached to this process of leadership. Somebody shout, it's normal. The Bible said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. And that's why as a leader... You should never be, what is going on? You see, like, everything going wrong in my life. I know I'm doing God's will. I'm just thinking about stepping down from everything and shutting everything down and shutting everybody out. Tell somebody, stop being a wuss. Come on. The wussification of the church. We got to deal with that. Look at somebody tell them, this is normal to the leadership process. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. I want you to turn there real quick. Because how many of y'all really like helping people? Raise your hand if you like helping people. Tell somebody that's going to cost you. I want you to think about something. I was telling somebody about this the other day. 
for the last 21 years, let's just talk about this experience, not before I came, you know, before I came into full-time pastorate and, and pastor my own church, but for the last 21 years, uh, every single day of my life, someone has needed something from me. <laughs> oh, come on. And I have to care. I'm called to care. My, my, my calling causes me to care. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Your calling causes you to care. Oh, Lord Jesus. Tell somebody, you can't turn it off. Because, see, my calling causes me to care. Wherever, wherever there is a calling, there is a cause. There is a motivating thing on the inside that enables you and directs you toward the fulfilling of that calling. It's, it's somebody shout, it's instinctive. It's innate and it's intuitive. Somebody shout, it's an inside job. Now, tell your neighbor, that's so you wouldn't be a phone, right? So, God, God wired you to care about what you're called to do so you wouldn't be a phony. But I, I thought about the fact that every day of my life, somebody needs something from me. Every day of my life, I'm pouring into somebody else's well-being. You understand that? Now, that comes, that comes at a cost. And there are many of us that, watch this now. You know your calling, you just don't know the cost. And you don't realize that you got to leverage your soul and build your soul up so that as you start walking out your calling, you can pay the costs that are associated with your calling. Come on, tell somebody, it's going to cost something to be you. Oh, God help me. And, and I don't know, there are people that they, you know, they paint the wrong picture of what it means to be used by God to you. <laughs> because being used by God and being used by God for any length of time means that there's pressure that's coming in your life that ain't going to let up. Oh my God, tell somebody, you just got to get stronger because the pressure is not going to become less. Y'all did not hear what I just said. It, it ain't going to turn off. Oh my God, you're going to have to become more resilient because the warfare ain't going to stop. Y'all hear what I just said? You're just going to have to make sure that the levees that are around your soul are higher than the stream that keeps coming against you. Come on, tell somebody the level of warfare in your life is not going to decrease. You just got to get stronger. And be strong all the time. Wait, wait. Check on your strong friends. Everybody strong all the time. No, you're going to have to be strong all the time. Stop listening to what people say on social media. Just like you're going to have to be strong all the time. My God. So it's becoming a person that knows what it means to walk in strength as a lifestyle. Oh, my God. Say, God, give me a strong lifestyle. What about a lifestyle of spiritual warfare? Oh, come on, somebody. Some of y'all don't realize that the most important thing you can ever do to practice spiritual warfare is walk in love. Amen. I'm not getting, see, I'm not getting into that one today because that, that's, that's a whole other lesson right now. But, but love all by itself is, a, is, a, is an armament. Now watch this now. Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 10. Let's jump into this. Nehemiah 2 10. Watch this. When Sambalat the, Hor the Horonite and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this. They were very much disturbed 
that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. Now, here's where I'm going. I want y'all to understand that this is a very noble cost attached to leadership. Everything about leadership means I'm responsible for other people. Come on, somebody. Say leadership. It's about who I'm responsible for, not about who I'm over. So everything about leadership means that I'm responsible for other people. I'm responsible for the group. Isn't that right? Now, the problem with that from a, from a demonic standpoint or from a spiritual standpoint is that you can't take you can't take the welfare of other people serious without an assault. What did Nehemiah do to get Sambal and Tobiah demonically inspired coming against him? What did he do? You ready for it? Care. <laughs> Tell somebody, if you care for people, it's going to cost you. That's right. God help you. If you, if you don't care for anybody, it won't cost you anything, Amen. and you won't go very far. Amen. But if you care for people, it's going to cost you something. Amen. If you care about the condition of people, it's going to cost you something. Amen. You decide you're going to be intentional about your influence, it's going to cost you something. Amen. If you decide that you're going to be a blessing and not a burden to other people, it's going to cost you something. The day you decide that, watch this now, I will only be an asset and a, never a liability to anyone's life, just like that decision is going to cost you something. Now, let me ask you something. Have you made the leadership decision to make sure that you are only an asset and never a liability to other people? Come on. Hey, Richard, have you made anybody else? All right. No. That one of the most quality decisions you'll ever make as a leader is to make sure, say, things get better, things get better. When, I when I show up. I, I don't come in anybody's life to leave them broken. Come on. People come to wholeness when you show up. The anointing of Christ is upon you. People's lives get better. Their lows get easier because you showed up. You come into a room, you don't come to bring doom and gloom and burden. You come to be the inspiration through which people begin to see God and the whole room begin to brighten up because you stepped into the room. Y'all understand that? One of the most quality decisions you can make as a leader is to make a decision that say, I will never be a liability. I will always be an asset. Oh, come on, somebody. Which means you're going to feel like you've been helped once I show up. Oh, my God, help me. Just like I'm not leaving you with a bad taste in your mouth. Y'all understand that? All Nehemiah decided to do was care. And that care caused him an assault that, watch this now, that he never, he did not initiate this assault per se. Right. All he did was care for the welfare of other people and then came the assault. Somebody shout, it comes with the territory. So the first thing that is typical, the typical cost of leadership, write this down, you will be assaulted because you care. Y'all got that? I'm going to just quote this scripture. You can look it up later. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. So then watch this now. Isn't it amazing that even, even the Christ himself, when he came, the Bible said he came not to be served, but to serve and, and offer himself a ransom. Now watch this now. He came because he cared about the condition and the state of mankind. 
that care cost him an assault from the demonic realm. Now watch what happens. Y'all know the story, but there are three things that came in the assault of Jesus Christ on his process of walking out his father's calling that will also come against your life. The first thing that was attacked, there were attacks concerning his identity. Right. If you be the son of God. Oh, come on somebody. And one of the things that happens when you begin endeavoring to be a blessing to the lives of other people, walk out God's calling, then all of a sudden the enemy comes, and some of y'all don't realize, sometimes he comes in your voice questioning you yeah. in your voice. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is like something he's masquerading. He's, he's mimicking you to you. Right. To get you to turn on you. Yeah. Huh. But we're not ignorant of his devices. Y'all understand that? So, so the first attack or the first vein through which that assault comes is through questioning, concerns over his identity. Now, watch this now. This was the second vein of attack. It was concerning appetites. Oh, come on, somebody. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Somebody shout, that's not about food. That's about appetites. Now, what do you mean by that? The moment that you get serious about walking out God's assignment and God's purpose in the lives of other people, the enemy try to bring back Egyptian appetites into your life. Come on, somebody. Everything you've been delivered from, the enemy start making a banquet for you. The very things that you've been delivered from, he try to bring it back because he wants to get back control of your appetite. Come on, somebody. Because what you eat, what you consume, you become. Just like he's after your appetite. And so he assaults your appetite. Why? Because he wants to bring you back into that life form. Right, right, right. Y'all that, believers? The next thing that he did, he said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off of this cliff, for surely he'll give us angels charge over you. And I want you to look at it this way. The enemy will also come at your motives. Right. He will come at your motives. That assault come. Who, who he think he is. Who she think they are. You understand that? They're just trying to become popular. They're just trying to become famous. They're just trying to do this, trying to do that. The enemy come trying to twist up your motives about why you do what you do. And watch now. In order to draw you into battles, you're never supposed to be fighting. You're never supposed to be fighting battles about your identity. Say, I know who I am. Somebody shout, I know who I am. And so the enemy My father's will in my generation under the anointing that God has given me. Say, my motives are pure. So the enemy, watch this now. So the enemy will once again come at your appetites. Y'all got that? That's all a part of this first thing, and that is attacks, the attack. Now, the second thing that happens in terms of the cost of leadership, another cost. Write this down. Chronic misunderstandings. Anybody been misunderstood so much you don't even bother explaining yourself no more? 
chapter 7. Turn there real quick. Luke chapter 7, 33 and 34. And I'm glad that it comes along two veins so that you guys will understand. Somebody shout, this is normal. This is normal. And it comes with the territory. With the territory. Now, now, let me share something with you. Your temptation to explain yourself to those that are attacking your character or your intention says more to you about your development than it does their motive. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Thank you. Say that again, Apostle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Y'all Your desire to explain yourself to those that are attacking you says more about your developmental needs than it does their motive. Say, Lord, develop me to a place where I don't care what they say and don't explain what I know. Y'all can have it. Just make up what you want. And I will still be over here doing me. Y'all got that? Y'all can have it. You know, you reach a certain level of influence and folk just start making up stuff. Are y'all ready? Y'all hear what I'm telling you? The, when you reach a certain, listen to me, the biggest threat in your life to the demonic realm is the growth of your influence. Say, my influence is anointed. Look at people tell me, have I got? Say, Christ is in my influence. My influence is not like other people's influence. Say, my influence is anointed. You know what I love about the Word of God? It shows you that ain't nothing special about you. <laughs> Just like everybody God uses is going through what you're going through. My God, y'all hear what I said? Everybody God is using is going through what you're going through. That's why the Bible says, think it not strange. Y'all got that? You're going to be used by God. You're going to go through this in some form or some flavor. Now watch this now. We see two very, very, very prominent figures in the New Testament going through chronic misunderstandings so that you'll understand how to go through them. John, uh, Luke chapter uh, 7, verse 33. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. Now watch this now. 
John the Baptist lived a, a very devoted life to God in terms of his appetites. He didn't eat bread or drink wine. Very strict in terms of what he was doing. You understand that? Almost like a Nazarite type of movement and vow about how he moved in life. Watch what they said. He's got a devil. <laughs> now think about this. This man wouldn't go out drinking with them, so they call him demonic. Right? He had a pretty strict diet of locusts and wild honey, right. or whatever. Right. And they said he had a devil. Watch this now. They said he had a devil because of what he wouldn't do. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Somebody stop making up stuff. Now, meanwhile, meanwhile, crowds are gathering to listen to his message, his one word message. Repent. Oh, come on, somebody. This is how I tell you. I ain't even, I ain't even being all dramatic. Come on, somebody. I ain't even being all super, I ain't being all super deep. The crowds are gathering to hear me say one thing I heard from God. This is how I tell you. One thing God gave you will bring a crowd into your life. Now, you know why they're making up stuff? They're jealous of this crowd. All of a sudden, people that left the synagogue and they're down by the Jordan. <laughs> and they're envious. When people are envious of your influence, they will make up stuff. Why? Because they're after your influence. You know, it's, it's, like, the, it's like the person that didn't want somebody. And then when they see they got somebody, then now they're attacking the relationship. If I can't have them, you can't have them either. I don't want it, and I don't want you to want it. I don't want you to want it, right? And that's what it comes down to, is that they are covetous of his influence. Come on, somebody. John, listen. John wasn't deep. Wasn't at all. Not at all. Repent. Kingdom of God is at hand. Bam. Next. Repent. Kingdom of God is at hand. Next. Kingdom of God is at hand. Trust me, you don't have to be deep. Your words have to come from God. Are you trying to impress people or impact people? Because you, know you know what I learned about people? Whatever people got a whole lot of fancy words, that's my child, they trying to impress you. They're not trying to make an impact. Your words don't make an impact. God's word in you makes an impact. Well, let's see what you be and not 
too spiritual is doing for your life. Listen, I tell you, yes, I'm spiritual. Because it costs me too much being fleshly. Yes, I am. And I'm always spiritual. Because anybody remember how much it costs you being in the flesh? I never, I never want to have a lifestyle before I got the flesh again. So I tell you, yes, I'm spiritual. Seven days a week, I'm spiritual. Yes, I am. Tell me the flesh costs me too much. I'm spirit first. You understand the believers? Chronic misunderstanding. All right, now watch this now. Here, look at verse four, because John ain't the only one. John ain't the only one, and you ain't either. Then come Jesus, okay? The son of man. Now Jesus said, all right, I'm gonna eat with y'all. Come on, sinners invite Jesus to lunch. He went. He said, all right, I'm gonna eat with y'all. Sinners invited Jesus to drink. He drank. Now watch what they say. He a gluttonous man and a wine bibble. And he a friend of publicans and sinners. You knew you was a sinner. You invited me and then you complained that I came. Religious people judging him because he chose to engage out of the assignment that the Father had given unto him. So now here's the point. John wouldn't eat or drink with them and they just Demonized him. Jesus did eat and drink with him, and they just demonized him. Look at some of the time. You're demonized if you do, and you're demonized if you don't. Because these chronic misunderstandings, somebody shout, they come with the territory. Ask me why. Because people prefer gossip about you than to have a relationship with you. That's how this culture works. People prefer gossip about you than to have and create relationship with you. Say why? Because it takes work to build relationship and in a gratification, instant gratification society, people don't want to do the work of relationship, so they go on gossip. Y'all got that? All right. Visionary leaders, write this down. If you're going to be a visionary leader, you will always be criticized before you emulate it. First thing they'll do is criticize you. The next thing they'll do is say, God told them to do what you were doing. (laughs) Come on, somebody. You cannot seek crowd approval as a a source of affirmation. Come on, somebody. The crowd is not always right. Now, here's another cost associated with leading effectively. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 15 and 16. And the cost is you have to live, it's a cost, but you have to learn to live with Christ's orientation. He says, for though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Listen, in order to be a person that says, follow me as I follow Christ, your orientation has to be clear. 
Tell somebody you got to know where you're going before you tell people to follow you. You got to know what you stand for. You got to know what you represent. You understand that? So there is a there is this this necessity for us as leaders to live with Christ as our orientation. And that's another part of the cost of leadership. Becoming paternal to others. Which means, watch this now. When we're leading effectively, somebody shout, I feel responsible for the destiny of other people. Oh my God. That's what, that's what fathering is about. I feel like I've got to make you, I've got to help form you into something in Christ. Oh, come on somebody. And following my leadership should help form you into who God intended for you to be. Y'all understand that? Ask somebody, do you really care about people like that? Now remind your neighbor, so neighbor, if you care, it's, it's going to cost you. Now, the level of demonic activity in your life is directly proportionate to the depth of your care. I said the level of demonic activity aimed at your life is directly proportional to the level of your care. Oh, God, help me. The deeper you care, the greater the assaults. Oh, God, help me. Y'all understand that, believers? There's a very thin line between insanity and really being anointed. Very thin line. Because when you really step out into what God called you to do, there is this abandonment that happens in order to flow in what God intended. But right there is the devil waiting for you to snap. Yeah. 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 Anybody know what I'm talking about? This strange tension. But you know, I know I'm in God's will, and I know the best version of me is emerging, but I also feel like if I just go a little bit to the right, I'll lose my whole mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, keep on living, baby. Keep on living. Keep on living. Then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Here's number four. A necessary cost of effective leadership. Write it down. Abandonment. Abandonment. The, the further you walk with God, the less you find loyalty. Yes. 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 Everybody loyal when you're on the outskirts of God's will for your life. Y'all hear what I said. But the more you start to press into and refine your walk in God, the more, the more you become identified with who you are in Him, the more strict you become about what you will do and what you won't do, you find less and less loyalty the closer you get to, to, to optimizing your calling in the kingdom. Y'all understand that? So here, here's a necessary cost attached to what we do. Abandonment. 1 Timothy 4.9. Do thy diligence to come to me shortly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed to Thessalonica, Christians to Galatia, Di uh, Titus to Dalmatia. Watch this now. So not everyone that is called to help you has the world completely out of their hearts. Y'all got that? So there are going to be worldly responses to your leadership and to your process of refining your leadership. Y'all understand that, believer? There are some people, tell somebody, there are some people about to, that, that are about to fall out with you right now. <laughs> now, here's what I came to tell you. Somebody shot this normal. Now, here's why. Because the more stricter you become 
in walking out the specificity of God's will concerning your life, the less loyalty you'll find. Now, 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 now. But you know what you will find? Those who are loyal are real loyal. Yeah. You understand that, believers? Those who are loyal, their loyalty is not fluff and circumstance. All right, here's number five. You ready for it? Excessive scrutiny. If you're going to lead effectively, you have got to embrace the fact that you are living in the fishbowl. Oh, come on. Look at somebody tell me I'm living life in the fishbowl. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Paul said, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle to others, yea, doubtless, I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are you in the Lord. And my answer to them that examine me is this. Think about what Paul said. Paul said, my answer to them that do examine me is this. You know what Paul said? Everybody got something to say about Paul. Somebody shout, I'm under constant examination. Now, understand this about leadership. People watch your life. Two kinds of people watching your life. There's one kind of person watching your life that want a reason to go all the way with God. Oh my God, hear what I'm telling you. And there's another kind of person watching your life that want a reason to go all the way from God. I said there are two kinds of people watching your life. Somebody shout, I'm in the fishbowl. Smile like you're a goldfish. Somebody shout, I'm glad you're in the fishbowl. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not upset about being in the fishbowl. Here's why. Because the owner keeps feeding me. Oh, there are benefits of being in the fishbowl. The owner is managing my environment to make sure that it's suitable for me thriving. Watch this now. One 
one act on the part of someone who doesn't understand the magnitude of their influence in the life of other people can cause people to go away from God and never return to Him. Just like people are watching you. Look at somebody tell them, you are living in a fishbowl. Look at somebody tell them, God's got eyes on you. Come on, just like God's got eyes on you. God has eyes on you right now. And you know what? You're going to answer for what they see. Yes, sir. You're going to answer for what they see. That's how critical this is. You're going to answer for what they see. You understand that, believers? Like, I want you to remember that. There are always two people watching you. And one of them wants to walk with God. They just don't think it's possible until they see you walking with God. All right? Here's the next thing. Another cost of leadership. Consistency. Say consistency. consistency. Now, I'm going to share something with you that I learned a long time ago for those of you that are always fighting to get honor from people. Look at somebody tell them, lesson number one. You never had to fight to get honor from people. You know, you know when you have to fight to get, get honor is when your lifestyle suggests you shouldn't be honored. Consistency will always be honored. It will always be honored. You understand that, believers? And when you decide, say, I'm going to be consistent. Now, see, you can only be consistent when your motives and when, when what you're doing is tethered to him and not others. you got to be locked in. Say, God orientation. Say, God is my reason. Say, God is my why. So now watch this now. So I can be consistent. Why, why, y'all remember manifestation started. I had three members with the same last name. <laughs> and they were all under the age 15. <laughs> three, three wings girls was my, was my crowd. Now watch this now. And I can remember so well that I had my series set up. The manifestation of the sons of God. That was my first series, right? I preached to those three Williams girl like it was all y'all. My first message, my first series was the manifestation of the sons of God. What am I talking about 21 years later? The manifestation of the consistency. Consistency begets honor. People honor consistency. You understand that? They reject inconsistency. People reject, you know, for example, I was taught coming up in church, right, like this. Y'all know we're very personal here. We're very relational, okay? Some of you all have, have come to my house, and some of you have even probably got in my pool or whatever, right? And I was taught, you don't let people get that close to you as the leader, as the main leader. He's, I, this is what I was taught. Because they'll, they'll dishonor you if you become common with them. This is my tell pop and pop. You know what people dishonor? They, they dishonor when you're one way in public. And you're something completely different in private. People do not dishonor consistency. You understand that? So when you come to the house, you see the same person. Like, it's the same person in private, in public. So I discovered that up close personal relationships, right, when you're up close with people, people don't dishonor you because of proximity. 
people dishonor you because of duplicity. Write that down. People don't honor you because of proximity. People dishonor you because of duplicity. You're going to love the people of God and cussing your wife out too. How that's going to work? How do you come to church and bless you in the name of the Lord and then you cursing your kids out? Oh, come on, somebody. You can't be on front street preaching and then in, in people inbox creeping. Somebody shout, I can't be both. So there has to be consistency. That's another cost of effective leadership is that you have to be consistent. Either you are where you are or you're not. But you can't be both. Both is called double-minded. Y'all got that? You can't say, I can't be both. Second Peter 1.10, you just write it down. It says, wherefore, rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. Say never. never. So then watch, he said, I got to be consistent in walking out my calling. Say what I am in public. That's exactly what I am in private. Consistency. Y'all got that? All right. Now, number seven. All right. Let me share something with you also. Okay. And it should get to a point where, for example, if, if somebody call, if you call somebody by accident, and y'all know how nosy folk is, right? You call them by mistake, your phone butt down. You know what people do, right? Cause they nosy. You know what they're trying to figure out? Are you the same? That's what people are trying to figure out when they hang on the line after they realize you didn't mean to call them. They're trying to figure out, are you the same in private? <laughs> Tell me I'm lying. That's what, that's what people try to figure out. Now watch this now. Now watch this now. Now watch this now. That's what people try to figure out. They're trying to figure out, are you the same person that you present to us? Oh, God help me. Because being two people is going to hurt you more than it hurt us. Mm. Being two people going to hurt you more than hurt us. Y'all got that? Here's the next key. Say strictness, strictness. with my associations. my associations. Another cost to leadership is that I got to be intentional, effective leadership, is that I've got to, I got to be ever intentional about what's influencing me. Amen. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout, I think I'm strong. But I might not be. Hello? I'm only, I, I'm measuring my strength by what I've been exposed to so far. Somebody said, I think I'm strong. But I might not be. See, we measure our strength by what we've been exposed to so far. You understand that? At another level of exposure, time and opportunity, you may not be as strong as you think. So, you take that as a given and make sure you manage what influences you, right? That's another cost for leading effectively. I never want to be the guy God used to use. Y'all realize that? But the enemy, listen, the enemy is waiting on you to slip up. Oh, come on, what you tell your neighbor? Say, neighbor, the enemy is waiting on you to slip up. Come on, tell him, just one opportunity. It's believers. 
It is that serious. It really is that serious. He's waiting. He's looking for any way to get in to undermine what's going on between you and God. So watch what the Bible says. Make no Give no Not one place. Not any room. It's, it's that serious. And as a leader, you should take your walk that serious. He's always trying to set you up. Oh, God help me. He's always trying to set you up. Now, and, and when you're really devoted, he gets fancy. Because sometimes he'll try to set you up through who you're trying to care for. Listen, I tell like John Coffey, he killed them they love. You know, I'm like this. You don't care about my man? 
don't care about your feelings. I said that. I said, you don't care about my marriage? I don't care about, yes, I will hurt your feelings. I will church hurt you over my marriage. I will church hurt you over my marriage. Yes, I will. I never forget when I started manifestation, I was in the back of the restaurant I was running. That's what we did, our organizational meeting. And there was 20 of us back there doing our organizational meeting. And my wife was in the back. I said, I, I'm giving people assignments, right? You're going to do this, you're going to do that, right? I said, now, y'all see that woman? Yes. I said, I had her before I had all of you. Oh, and if all of you leave me, I plan on keeping her. <laughs> I understand the assignment. Yeah. I would love all of y'all if I can't love one person. Oh, you understand that? I understand the assignment. Thank I said, all y'all, my goal is to keep her. If I don't know, listen, his job God to take care of his wife. My job is to take care of my woman. God called me into all this stuff. I didn't call me. Y'all understand that? I will church her you over my wife. Yes, I will. Y'all got that? Y'all know this? People don't come to me telling me nothing about Lady Lisa. Let me tell you about your wife. No, no. No, we ain't finna do that. Can you tell me about the one I lay down next to her or not? You don't got nothing to tell me about my wife. I know her thoroughly. All right. I'm not, you can, you can look up the scripture later. First Kings chapter 11 verses 1 through 4. I'm going to read verse 4 though. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away the heart, his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord as it was with the heart of David, his father. Y'all see that? So watch it now. Somebody shout, he's always trying to get in. Listen, Satan is always looking for a way to set you up to take your heart away from the perfection that's in your relationship with God. Y'all got that? Your job is to make sure that you, you, you increase and, un and become more discerning so you can recognize when the enemy is trying to get in. Y'all got that? Yeah. All right. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Another cost of leadership is that you've got to become a midwife. Say, I'm a midwife. I'm a midwife. My little children of whom I travel in birth again, 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 until Christ be formed in you. Say, here I am helping people again. Another cost of effective leadership is that you got to be unmovable. People fall out and they fall right back into your life. Somebody shout, and here I am trying to help you again. Because the lesson hasn't changed while you was going through your changes about me. Somebody shout, the lesson hasn't changed, and here I am again trying to birth you to something in Christ. Now, say my feelings can't be in the equation at all. You know, I had somebody tell me, I know you're mad at me. I'm like, oh, about what? Oh, well, you remember? No. No. That was your stuff. That was your stuff. You know, it's like when my wind correct our children, and my wife said, I think she's mad. I'm like, so? Did she do what I said? Listen, say I'm a grown person. Grown people ain't got no business getting mad with no child. Oh Lord, parents are glass now. Say mad. 
makes it about me. Stuff, right? But no, this 
you in the right direction. But remember, I'm not going to alienate affection because I had to bring correction. Amen. Y'all got that, believers? Now you know what I just described? Just maturity and leadership. See that? So that means that you can tell people, you can be direct and not be telling people off. Come on. Come on. No, no, honey. No, you you being slick and you being messy. And I see what you're trying to do between me and sister. I see what you're trying to do. Now listen, we don't bring division. That's that's not how we do it. The only reason you told me that is because you want me to look negatively at her. That's not how we do it. And even when it comes to keeping, I'm coming to you, Joe. Even when it comes to keeping down division, right? Y'all know we're responsible for making sure we don't allow division to grow at any level in the fight, right? This is why. This is why. And some of you in this room have seen this. If you send me a communication and you mention somebody else, I'm copying them on my reply. Yes, Because we're going to deal with everything above board. We're going to pour everything into the light and deal with it for what it is. Right. Right. You understand that, believe me? Uh, yeah. I want to say something about like, people who, well, I'm going to say about people. <laughs> and you um, just mentioned something that I just went through. Anger was trying to rise up for whatever reason I don't know. Maybe I didn't deal with it years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it looked like just the past couple of months, anything anybody did. Mm -hmm. Kind of just get on my nerves real quick. So I was asking the Lord to show me how to get through that and why was it happening and stuff like that. Even with 
So I want y'all to think about something. What if you, you're the leader, you're the chief influence in the environment, your environment, the environment, you're right. What if these folk are feeding off your emotions? What if they're feeding off the, your mood and your disposition, sir? Now, why don't I say that? Your facial expressions are showing your mood. They become a check engine light for your disposition, right? So how do you then how do you really change it? Change your disposition. And the same way, it will have an impact on those around you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Think about the two years we just walked through with COVID, right? You know what the Lord told me? Lord, what do these people need? You know what the Lord said? He said in crisis, people need consistency and leadership. You understand that? Now, so I take a lot of criticism because you being nonchalant, y'all have to act like there ain't no pandemic going on. What's wrong with this man? Why y'all thought this vision right? And I'm, I'm going on like the go on is to go on. But think about what it did to you as a people. Think about, think about how calmly you went through crisis. Oh, God, are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? How, think about how calmly you went through the crisis, right? And think about how leadership was attached to how you dealt with what everybody was going through. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Leadership matters, right? And your emotions and, and what's emanating from you has an effect on people around you. Now, again, why? So I can either get sucked up into what people are doing. I say, wait, 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 wait. We're over here. We're over here. You understand that? Does that make sense to you? And I'm trying to tell you, you got more control in the situation than you think. You just got to not need to control. Right, right, right. right. That's You're most in control when you don't need to. Y'all got that? You're most in control when you don't need to. Now, write this down. It's better to hear God and be led by His Spirit than to control anything. When you can hear God and be led by His Spirit, say, I don't need to control. Because I'm being led by God. Now, you know what? Is being led by God going to lead you to a bad space? No. That's why you don't need to control. Hearing God, the ability to hear God and be led by His Spirit, 
is far superior than the need to control. Make sense, Annette? Mad at him. 
So my son started doing things around the house to try to make me happy. Like, I wash the dishes, I'm going to clean up your, all this stuff. And I went in the room and God said, you're teaching him how not to love me. You're teaching him wrong principles because if I forgave you, you don't have to do any works for me to forgive you. Wow. So now he's working for your forgiveness. He's trying to earn your love back because he thinks you're still mad at him. He said, go back in the room with the word and show him. First tell him, you, I forgave you and it's done. This is, this, this, this is done. You're not going to bring this back up again. But also, this is how God forgives. When you come to God, it's over. It's done. So in that moment, I had to teach my, my parenting had to teach my son a principle about God that he needed in life. Right. Absolutely. You know, our kids are grown now, and, you know, we're advisors only. Of an enormous elephant. 
And on top of this huge elephant were a bunch of turkeys. <laughs> you know? And the, and the sign on it said, don't let the turkeys get you down. <laughs> chapter 4 that you, that you mentioned, Paul says, I don't judge anyone before the time. Right? Mm -hmm. And I judge, I care very little what mm -hmm. you think about me. Right. Exactly what he said. Exactly what he said. Uh, and so, we, we just have to just be, get comfort in the Lord, get mm -hmm. strength in the Lord, mm -hmm. and realize, he's saying to us, you, I accept you. I approve of you. You are my beloved son. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Keep, keep on keeping on. Praise God. Praise God. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Did I see another hand? Yes, go ahead. Amen. Amen. And, and, and the, the, I believe what's really critical to, and we're relating parenting to leadership because it's pretty much the same. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's pretty much the same. Even, even the scripture that I quoted here, Galatians 4.19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. You know what Paul is saying? I'm trying to bring these people into maturity, the fullness of a measure of the stature. We're trying to bring, here I am again, working to bring you into the measure, this fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Amen. You know what? Parenting 101. Paul is taking a paternal, he's assigned a paternal role in the life of the body of Christ. And he's ministering out of that role for the maturation of those under his influence. You understand that? He said he knew what he was doing. Now, now here's the question. Actually, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing? Because if not, then you see, you know why people take these person, I'm talking about leaders, people, not regular people, leader people, right? So why people take things personally? Go back and forth with people, get caught up in all kind of emotional warfare, because you don't know what you're doing. You know what I'm Battle people and play a little subtle game, microaggression, because you don't know what you're doing. But now, watch this now. 
But when you know, say, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. When you know what you're doing, then you know that your power is in your example and your advice. Come on. And so my goal is just to be a consistent example of what it means to walk with Christ. And hopefully, tell your neighbor, hopefully, you got sense enough to follow my example. Right? <laughs> Sister Brenda? Not praising the Lord. Oh. <laughs> she said that was the praise. That was the praise. You know, I'm, I'm going to read something. I think Jim just quoted this. But write this down. If you would write down 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 3. It's powerful. Sounds arrogant, but it's actually reflective of who he is in Christ. Watch what Paul said. 1 Corinthians 4, 3. I'm reading from the TPT. It says, but personally, I am not the least bit concerned if I'm judged by you or any verdict I receive from human court. In fact, I don't even assume to be my own judge. This is what Paul said. Paul said, I don't care at all what you, what you, what you think about me. Why you said? He said, I don't even care what I think about me. I'm only concerned about what God said about me. See how powerful that is? Isn't that powerful? Say orientation matters. Correction never again. Do you know what you're doing? See, because when you know, I'm talking about engaging people out of your assignment. Say, I understand the assignment. Say, I understand the assignment. So I'm engaging intentionally. Testify, I know what I'm doing in your life. Y'all got that? So I'm being very intentional. This is why I'm getting caught up with you. Amen. You understand that? Amen. You know, uh, 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 I was sitting with one of our members recently who decided to be, you know, they just, they're not mad at me no more, but when they left my office, they were. <laughs> they good, we good now. Well, they good. I ain't left good. Hello, somebody. They left my office mad. And I'm fine with that. They left my office mad because they were talking to me as if we were mutuals. It was my obligation to inform them that that was not the case. You know why? Say what? Why? I can't help you if you're going to come in here in a posture of dishonor. We ain't going to do that. We're not going to do that. I'm not your equal. We're not going to do that. You understand that? They left man. They do it now. They left man. But the point is, here's the point I'm making, right? I need to know what I'm doing. I need to understand where God is working through my life. I need to be intentional about my engagement. I understand the assignment. And I realize, watch this now. If you engage me in a posture of dishonor, I can't help you. Amen. You're going to be in dishonor, we don't need this meeting. I can't help you. Say there's no anointing in dishonor. All right, all right, all right. In his own hometown, he could do no mighty miracle. Somebody said there's no anointing in dishonor. He would be anointed one. When people decide they don't need you, agree with them. Right. Yeah. 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 
them. Come on, you should never have to run after somebody to help them. Y'all got that? But now, they, that, that's, how, that's how you know they recognize your value. They know the value of their doctor. That's why they made an appointment. They got themselves on his schedule to get his help. Misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Acts, the uh, fifth chapter, mm -hmm. uh, starting at the 41st, I'm going to read out the TPT as well. It says, So they brought the, the apostles back in and had them severely beaten. <laughs> they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. How'd that work out? <laughs> <laughs> Check this out, verse 41. The apostles left their rejoicing, mm -hmm. thrilled that God had considered them, God had considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Christ. Verse 42, and nothing stopped them. I'm gonna say that again. And nothing stopped them. They kept preaching every day in the temple courts and went from house to house preaching the gospel of Jesus, God's anointed. So you can be misunderstood and be demonized and even be punished for what you're doing for Christ. But your resolve is to keep on preaching, to keep on doing the will of God, regardless to what they say and regardless to even punishment and even to the point of maybe even losing your life. I think the problem is our courage stops at losing our life. But Paul says to live is Christ. But to die is gain. We be looking at death as if it's a bad thing. If you usher in my transition, my mortal transition, to see my Christ, then so be it. But here these people have, in, in front of legal counsel, defied them and preached anyway. So sometimes you may not be protected from the whip, but the rewards are immense. Come on. Yes, yeah, persecution was their confirmation of a job well done. Yes. God. They're like, oh Lord, they treat us like Jesus. We must be in the Father. Yes. Come on here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. I'm going to give you these two. I'll come back to you, David. Give you these two and we'll be done. So here's, here's the next thing. Another cost of effective leadership, being an uncompromising example. Being an uncompromising, say uncompromising. First Peter 5, 2 and 3, feed the flock of God which is among you. All right, say I'm the feeder. Y'all see how the responsibility is on the leader to be the feeder? Say I'm the feeder. Now, if you don't feed others, you need to be fed first. So make sure you're fed before you go feeding. Amen. You're not honoring God by neglecting yourself. All right? Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint. So attitude and leadership matters. Why you do what you do is just as important as what you're doing. But willingly. Say, I want to do this. Say, I get to do this. Say, it's a joy to do this. Watch what he said. He said it shouldn't be, involved. It shouldn't be because of the money, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage. Don't control people. Don't manipulate people. You're not a czar. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You're not anointed to be a czar. Amen. All right? 
But look what he says. Here's where your power is. But being in examples to the flock. Y'all see where our power is? My power is in my example. Say it with me. My power is in my example. And then lastly, another cost of effective leadership is becoming an adaptive person. Becoming an adaptive person. Y'all understand that? If you're rigid, eventually you become unnecessary. Do y'all hear what I just said? If as a leader you are rigid, you will eventually become unnecessary. Don't get mad when you realize you're unnecessary when you refuse to adjust. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 19, for though I be free of all men, that's the key. Yes, though I be free of all men, yet I have made myself a servant to all that I might gain the more. All right? In verse 22, to the weak I became as weak that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Becoming adaptive. The mission requires adaptation. Say adaptation. adaptation. Paul also said condescend the men of low estate. Yes, sir. Y'all got that? Condescend the men of low estate. What do you mean by that? Go toward the people. Watch it now. And go toward the people. Some of you right now, you sense when people have complexes about being in a group. You sense when people have, they have complexes about their value. Those are the people you should go toward. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. The people that feel comfortable with their own voice. Those are the people you should go toward. Why? Because I'm going to intentionally connect to you to raise you up to where you really are. Y'all got that? That's part of the assignment. That's part of the mission. Who's handling up? What's you? Yeah. Go ahead. Just touching on basically everything you're talking about. Is what me and Lily have been dealing with for uh, what now, uh, three, four weeks. Yep. And 